0: ywc football talk and it's week 15 we've got the christmas font we've got the trust fund benefactor jared Silverclight. episode 268 but sir how are you doing today after a very impressive monday night victory by your giants
1: oh yeah flying high tommy cutlets baby we are taking chicken parm all the way to the postseason <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll, we'll get to your game we'll get to your game in a second but there's just there's a lot to cover from the NFL. Like I remember you and I had so many plans to talk about. We'll go on them as time yep. comes. But the main thing, the two things, we uh, big announcements that came out today was the fact, I don't know if you saw this, the NFL is going to be playing a game in Brazil next year as part of their international expansion. And Super Bowl 61 will be taking place at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, California in February of 2027.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, well, no surprise there. I mean, obviously with that, you know, SoFi opening up, um, You know, it was only a matter of time before they went back there. Right. I mean, with it being in just you got a shiny new stadium in a major market, um, you know, retractable roof. Have no idea why they didn't do that with MetLife when they opened that place 10 years ago. Um, But, yeah, coming back there already. I mean, that's kind of how the Super Bowl goes. You know, they kind of pick their their favorite um, handful of stadiums and just kind of, uh, you know, cycle through them every few years.
0: That that's how I feel too, but I feel like there's some stadiums that like they not need it, but I'm surprised they haven't gone back to it. Like for example, Dallas. I know you're the furthest thing from a Cowboy fan, but I'm oh no, no, sure no that, that, yeah, no, that that's only hosted one.
1: You would was, like, yeah, you would think. I mean, that place is state of the art and it fits the most people. I'm I'm pretty surprised that uh, they haven't gone back there. Um, I mean, I guess you know you'd kind of just kind of run through the number of warm weather stadiums. Um, It's either warm weather or enclosed, so that already shortens the list. But Dallas is definitely one you'd think that they'd go back to sooner than later.
0: The other one for me is Tampa, but that's just based off of them getting kind of gypped by having no one in the crowd. Um, Not getting really to celebrate the Super Bowl as a whole, that it was like weird because of the COVID. So basically, now I think that's another city they could go back to. But they're loving the West Coast as of late. Like Last year, LA, Phoenix, this year's Vegas. Then New Orleans, which no no problem with New Orleans. I'd love to be I'd love to just to be in the city and just watch it at a bar on Bourbon Street as Trey Young sunk a three. Um and then they go to Santa Clara and then they're doing LA. So they're doing two Californias back to back.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got pretty fond memories of uh, you know, the San, of the 49ers stadium out in uh, Santa Clara. I think it's I mean from WrestleMania a few years back when I went. And I think that that stadium, it's got like a really unique layout to it. Um, I was very impressed. Of of all those stadiums that I've been to, that one still stands out to me. Probably attendance-wise, they're a little bit more limited than other stadiums. Just because, I mean, it's kind of interesting that they put that place together and decided to only build half of an upper bowl. But it works for them. And clearly they're not, you know, they're not holding them back in terms of ticket sales. So... It'll yeah, it's interesting. Back to back years in Cali.
0: Yeah, but then the only thing with that stadium that's weird to me is just the fact that they say it's San Francisco, but it's like forty five minutes to an hour from San Francisco proper. That's the only right. thing that weirds me out about it. Correct. Yeah, it so it's, it's like how the Giants It's like the Jets and the Giants. Like, yeah, your team's New York, but you actually play in Jersey.
1: Yeah. Semantics, uh, tomato, tomato, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Um, but from something good to something bad, and I'm going to have a PSA right now because I have a bone to pick. Because everyone and their mother last week, this Thursday night's game is going to suck. There may be a touchdown scored. No, 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 no. Last Thursday's game was electric. This Thursday's game is going to suck. Easton Stick, Aiden O'Connell. I'm, I'm going to say this right now with this game because I have nothing else to say. I like the Raiders because I trust Aiden O'Connell more. And I love the under because I don't have either faith that this game is going to be higher than, like,
1: 10-7. to 7. Whew. I mean, could your anticipation be any higher for this game after <laughs> – I mean, you've got all the Chargers injuries. You've got the Raiders coming off of one of the worst NFL games in recent memory. You probably have to
0: go... – I just want to cut you off for a second because this is the – that was the first ever game, like, uh, for a while, th- the lowest scoring game ever in an indoor stadium and almost never been done was a 0-0 game in an indoor stadium.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's kind of hard to believe, too. I mean, you know, going in, I mean, it wasn't – you know, Aiden O'Connell, yes, he's limited, but he wasn't exactly having supreme difficulty running no. this Raiders offense. In fact, one would argue he, he was getting more out of Devontae Adams in certain games than Jimmy G was – so I don't anything you know the Vikings coming in I mean yes obviously you know everyone was hyped up to see Justin Jefferson's return and then he gets hurt immediately but even without him you know this is a team that people thought was kind of becoming a sleeper contender in the NFC a team that was generally performing well in terms of you know getting consistent production out of um uh Hawkinson and Addison and then to see them just completely dead stop. I mean, this is one of those games where whoever lost this game, the locker rooms absolutely, you know, deserves to be savaged afterwards because yeah. how, how can you possibly lose a game when you allow this few points in today's NFL? So the same could be said for either side, uh, regardless of, you know, whoever won, but yeah, I mean, it's gotta be rock bottom. And, and then, you know, so leading into coming into this game, I mean, obviously, you know, the Raiders, uh, you know, are probably ticked off after that. And then um, with what we saw with the Chargers, they've they've been kind of a mess offensively anyway, and now you're taking away um, Keenan and Justin Herbert. So, yeah, this is a game that nobody wants to see. Um, I'm leading Raiders as well just because uh, I don't know what an Easton stick is, Um, and I'd like to think that they'd be able to score the 10 points necessary to win the game. Exactly. It's like which – pot.
0: it's like – which pile of shit do you trust more? And it's it's Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell has shown us that he can go in there and command an offense and win a game. Um, and I like to look at the props to this game because it's going to be fun. I would trust either one of two guys to get into the end zone. That's Josh Jacobs and that's Devontae Adams. I feel like either one's a very safe bet. I also would very much, you know what? I'd like to do things on the fly here, and we're going to do them right now. I just want to look up what the, what some of the props are on FanDuel for tomorrow night. But those are just a couple of touchdown scores that I like because they're the only guys I see getting in the end zone.
1: I mean, hey, listen, this is one of those games where, just like last week's Thursday night game, if you want to take if you want to take the risk, um, there's money to be had in terms of receiving props for the Chargers. But you get these games where the quarterback is an unknown. They basically price in extremely low over-unders for all the receivers. And what it comes out to is if you pick the receiver that's going to get at least three balls, then there's a pretty good chance that they're going to hit an alt line. This happened with with last week's Thursday night game. Obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster had been horrible all season long, but it was a revenge spot for him with With um, no one at receiver, snappy, yeah, yeah, no one at at receiver. So there you go. And um, you know, same thing happened with Tommy DeVito. Like the games that he started for the Giants, where um, you know nobody's been expecting anything out of our receivers. They they usually don't get anything out of our receivers um, all season long. But hey, the games that they do, great value. So hey, if the Raiders' defense isn't that imposing, if you want to roll the dice, maybe Jalen Guyton i'm just gonna throw an idea Quent, uh, quentin johnston probably is gonna wind up and the bulk of the targets but it's gonna be an ugly game i think most people are leaning toward eckler receptions
0: so i'm looking ahead right now at some of these guys right here jalen guyton plus 700 to get into the end zone um i don't see josh jacobs uh where is he jo- no josh jacobs isn't on here yet but jacoby myers is plus 300 as well that's another guy that you could really rely on if you want to you know have some fun get down with it um Oh, here's another fun one you can do. Um, Easton Stick under 0.5 touchdowns at plus 120. That's another fun prop because I don't think he's throwing it into the end zone tomorrow night. We can wait and see. Or if you really want to have fun, over under 30 and a half passing attempts.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one. Um, I I'd probably I I'd probably lean under there. You know, I, my guess is they're probably going to go with the you know committee running back approach. And because they had said before, you know, going into that Broncos game, but they're going to ride the hot hand. And now you got no choice but to ride both hands. So, I mean, hey, if, if Easton stick is really terrible, then this could be one of those games where, the, where they literally make like, you know, 10 pass attempts the entire time. And they just, you know, maybe they run some wildcats with Eckler or something. I mean, we could, we could see some weird play designs here.
0: Yeah. And then I'll say this too loud about last Thursday because I want to pump my tires some more. I hit three really solid bets last week. I hit the Patriots on the money line. I hit Ezekiel Elliott first touchdown and I hit Hunter Henry anytime touchdown that plus 500. So Thursday night's when the long shots can kind of come out to play. So ultimately this game though, I'm still, I'm still leaning Raiders and especially two with their number to cover the spread. I can see them. It's two and a half. Yeah. If it was like three and a half, I probably lean no, but I really like them at the two and a half number.
1: Yeah, no, I, I can see that. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, it's a, it's a light number. So if they're going to win, they're going to cover and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely leaning toward a Raiders victory, even though um, I think bo- both these teams are pretty much cooked at this point. I think that this was a case of they both lost some, you know, what really amounted to uh, must-win scenarios. Uh, it's too—it's just too competitive of a playoff picture in the AFC, uh, too many teams uh, with a winning record. Even though there's a lot of question marks, I think that it's going to be, you know, I mean, obviously the Chargers are done without Herbert. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the Raiders, um, don't think there was much upside for them uh, with their limitations, but I, this season is pretty much over for both of them.
0: For the Raiders, it was just from jump, and it was not really good. And then that Lions game is really their nail in the coffin. And then with the Chargers, they're the worst thing that you can be in the NFL. And that's a team with expectations that just hasn't had a good year. And listening to Brandon Staley, and from what I've heard from within the locker room, they just they've given up that they just they want to play these last four games, get to the postseason, and we know that Monday morning you're going to get the report. Brandon Staley no longer with the L.A. Chargers. It's just going to be interesting to see where do they go because I'm worried that Justin Herbert can become Matt Stafford where he's like a really good quarterback, but he comes complacent in one city and he's devout of winning because of the Chargers' ineptability ability to be a functional organization because they're the best dysfunctional team in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Chargers are just, they're just one of those teams where it just doesn't matter who they add to the roster. They just can't seem to escape perpetual dysfunction. That's just mm-hmm. the best – Best way I would sum up that team is just just perpetual dysfunction, even though, you know, we can objectively – this is – it's what makes football such a great sport, such an interesting sport. It's that this is not one on paper. You never know how the pieces are going to gel together, and you never – and, you know, coaching um, and the way, you know, execution on game day and the play calling, it just has such an impact. And this is a team that just – they've been allergic to winning, allergic to winning for the last several years, even though – you know justin herbert uh, coming into the league i mean i think the people's opinion of him has kind of somewhat lessened maybe this year but even before he got hurt um you know wasn't really um impressing people too much i think that um you know he's still viewed as you know a top uh, now he's maybe he looked at as more like fringe top 10 but was certainly top 10 coming into the year eckler premier player at his position same goes for keenan allen although he's getting up there in age and um, i mean they've got plenty of skill plenty of talent to skill positions on defense so, this is disappointing. And I think that, uh, you know, I mean, if you're able to get a new head coach in there, hopefully um, he's able to make, you know, make this team gel and help them return to the postseason next year. Because now you got to think about, all right, well, Keenan Allen, I mean, how much time does he really have left? You know, you got to look for an exit strategy there. Mike Williams is coming off a major injury as well. Yep. So, they got a little bit of, they might have a little bit of retooling to do. Um, on that offense because it definitely looked broken for most of this season.
0: They have wiggle room, but it's just the fact too that they have a DC who is a head coach and their defense is terrible. That's just the one real caveat with them where it's like the defense is supposed to be the strong point of your team and you have all these guys, yet you didn't do anything. Like last week, for example, I remember – so my dad and I are in a spread pool where every week he gotta kind of gets the spread of the game. And I told him I was on the Broncos plus three and a half. And he's like, oh, why? The Chargers won last week. I'm like, yeah, but they did not nothing to impress me. Meanwhile, Denver went in there and handled them. handled. Mm. That's why I like them tomorrow too, especially at the number that they're at. Um, but this weekend, though, is a pretty exciting weekend for the NFL because we have not one, not two, but three games on Saturday. Saturday mm. games are special. They come by once in a while. And at first I looked at the slate when it came out and I'm like, I don't know. But now, Cincinnati-Minnesota is going to be a really exciting game. you got Jake Jake Browning. you got Nick Mullins. And I'm going to say something to you because someone from a fantasy account brought this up today. Buy into TJ Hawkinson this week because when Nick Mullins was a quarterback in San Francisco in 2018, he made George Kittle look really good. I think TJ Hawkinson is going to have a big game Saturday against the Bengals. As to who wins this game, I don't know because – you can't deny what Browning's doing, but at the same time, too, Minnesota's right there. This this truly feels like a dogfight kind of football game.
1: Yeah, this is a tougher one to pick. Um, I think that Mullins should be an upgraded quarterback for the Vikings, but that being said, eh, new team, new scheme, and missing Justin Jefferson, it still gives this offense a bit of a ceiling. Although... I do. I mean, I, I like, I agree with the theory on Hawkinson for sure. I definitely would see him, of course, being a focal point here. Browning has definitely impressed so far. Um, yep. You, you can say that, um, you know, there wasn't much production gotten out, garnered out of, uh, you know, Jamar Chase and, and T Higgins, at least in the first half on Sunday, but uh, they spread it around and they didn't necessarily need to use those guys as much, or need to use Chase as much as they leaned on Chase in the win against the Jaguars. And I think the Browning seems like he's settled in now as the quarterback of this team. And I just I would say that with uh, not having the Vikings not having Jefferson, the Bengals have depth on their side and momentum. You know, the Vikings winning a three nothing game is not momentum to me. And, nope. and Mullins coming in I mean, Mullins coming in he possibly could be an upgrade over Dobbs. I don't think that would surprise anybody, but. I think that you got to go with the hot hand here. The Bengals all of a sudden have life in the playoff race, especially with the Steelers sliding a little bit. It's going to be tough. They play in a really competitive division, but I think that they beat the Vikings here. I think that they can edge this one out. I am I'm, I'm leaning toward them. I, I I trust I trust them to put up some more points here. And their running game some better than the Vikings as of late too. Yeah, that's the other thing as well. I have
0: as a Joe Mixon fantasy owner, I can attest to that as well. Um, I am going with Cincinnati too. I just like my and take that he's gonna I'm saying, hey, he's gonna get a touchdown, take his over in yards. I'm not saying he's oh, gonna yeah, up there. Yeah,
2: yeah. He's yeah. not gonna do what like
0: Joe him and Nick Mullins aren't gonna be what Joe Flacco and David and Joe Cooper last Sunday, where that's happening. No, no, no. I, I think though he's good for like maybe, I don't know, six like seventy to eighty yards receiving and like a touchdown, or maybe like five or six, five or six receptions. But ultimately with this game, it's the same thing as Thursday night, but on a better scale to where I'm going to put my trust in Jake Browning and a team that, look, knows how to get to the Super Bowl. A team that's been to two straight—I know everyone likes to look at Kansas City and their five straight AFC Championship home games, but the Bengals have been in an AFC Championship game the last two years in a row. So Zach Taylor knows how to win. This is a defense, too, that's been really good the last few years. So this game, though, is going to be predicated on the turnover battle. And in a game of, like, Jake Browning versus Nick Mullins, I'm going to lean towards Nick Mullins being more turnover-prone than I am for Jake Browning because Jake Browning's showing
1: pretty decent ball security
0: in his start so far.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, agreed on all fronts. That, uh, yeah, makes total sense. Kind um, of said by myself. <laughs> And then Saturday afternoon,
0: uh, the Colts hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers. I almost said Penguins for a second. And I'm going to keep this short and simple. But what I saw last Thursday out of Mitch Trubisky was just terrible and disgusting. Sure, they almost came back and they scored 15 unanswered. But when it was counted upon most, no, I trust the Colts to bounce back here. It's this the same thing? We're all the first three games. The quarterback matchups are all there, eh. but this one here, Gardner Minshew has shown us what he can do the Pittsburgh Steelers are not utilizing their weapons properly and when it comes down to this game I'm going to lean with Gardner Minshew over Mitch Trubisky you should never take Mitch Trubisky over anyone unless there's unless the player is like truly truly bad because look Bailey Zappi outdueled Mitch Trubisky I think Gardner Minshew can do it no problem
1: oh for sure the Colts have been one of the more surprising teams of the year I think that This is a team that most people thought was going to be around kind of bottom of the barrel of the league. And now five or six wins, to be honest. Yep, yep. And they've already eclipsed that. Now they're a surprise playoff contender. They've been consistently putting up points all year long, which is good coming into this game against the Steelers, who that was a pathetic showing against the Patriots. I I kind of had a feeling like it was going to be a bit of a trap game because although it's been a disaster season for your Patriots, this just seemed like an opportunity for Bill Belichick to terrorize – a deficient quarterback, and that's exactly what happened. Mitch Trubisky looked like he, like he was playing at the high school level. It, it looked like he did not belong on an NFL field. I mean, some of those, some of those passes in the first half, especially, were absolutely atrocious. Like you couldn't have possibly thought anything good was going to happen. You know, just care recklessly throwing the ball um, into coverage. Um, some of the most uh, boneheaded, easy interceptions you'll ever see. In the NFL this season. And I do expect Trubisky to have an easier time against a worse defense, but I think he's gonna have a hard time keeping up here. Like you pointed out, Minshew has had no problem running this Colts offense. Michael Pittman has been absolutely automatic for this team. Um, and then you throw in Pierce, you throw in Downs, and even if Jonathan Taylor is out again, you know, Zach Moss is produced through most of the year. And uh, he'll be able to carry the load in the backfield. So no, no doubt that the Colts will be able to put up points here once again. Might only win by one score, but I would lean Indy as well.
0: Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. I don't know if you know this, but he is YWC Football Talk's favorite wide receiver. I don't know why. 1st year doing the podcast. He's a player that I've always just like, kind of like rooted for. He's a player that, like, you know, like when you see people, like, you want to see them succeed, you want to root for them. Mm-hmm. That's how I view Michael Pittman Jr. I think – I don't know. I didn't know after last season if he was going to stay in Indy considering he had been through three quarterbacks, now four quarterbacks. But I feel like now he's the kind of player that if you're the Colts, you've got to lock up long-term. He's shown that he can be a wide receiver one. I'm not out here saying he's like Justin Jefferson, Jamar, and Chase Tyree Kill. No, but for what the Colts and what his job is, he's very serviceable. Um, Zach Moss, too. um, That was a trade. remember last year it was Nahid Himes for Zach Moss. Moss never really found his footing in Buffalo. Has been a solid RB, two for the uh, Indianapolis Colts throughout the year. Even the Colts' defense, too, they've really shown at times that, like, hey, they've given up some points, but at the same time, too, they've shown what they can do. They can hang in tough with some of the very good competition in the NFL. I just think last week for them was a schedule loss where it was like, you know what, hey, shit's got to run out eventually. And I think that's what happened. But with this week, they're only uh, half a point favorite on the spread. I would take them here at up to minus three, to be honest with you. I think they win by more than a field goal on Saturday afternoon.
1: I agree with that. I think this is a nice, you know, uh, seven to 10 point win. Yeah, but I
0: think this could be a, uh, let's say for fun, this is going to be a 28 to 20 Indianapolis Colts win on Saturday. I feel like the Colts, like the the, the the Steelers can score some points, but at the end of the day, the Colts are going to do more.
1: I like that. I like that. 20, 28 to 20.
0: And I'm not going to beat around the bush here for Saturday night. Denver Broncos at plus four. I love that number. I know Detroit's looked really good this year. Um, Also, one other point I'm going to make right now, if the Colts make the playoffs, Shane Steichen should be a very strong consideration of coach of the year. Um, But for this game Saturday night, I'm sorry. Detroit, you're supposed to be this team that's dominating people. But ever since their bye week, they haven't looked that strong. Chicago nearly beat them. They got embarrassed on Thanksgiving. They let the Saints hang around. And then last Sunday, you go into Soldier Field... And you let justin fields embarrass you that was a pure embarrassment i saw that number and i was just like i trust them but with the with this with this um, lions team we're gonna learn a lot but for now when i see the that four this broncos team has shown me too much to where they can hang this is the time of year where i look at it too where i'm like denver's got the better defense right now russell wilson's playing better football than jared goff i can't even believe i'm saying that and when it comes to the lions defense as a whole They've only got really one guy you look at who can truly go in and F up the play. Like, you know, T.J. Watt, you can depend on he's going to go in there right. and just wreak havoc. Dallas has multiple guys who could do that. Besides Aiden Hutchinson, who do you really see on that Lions defense that's going to go in there and cause havoc? No one. Meanwhile, Denver, they have Patrick Sertan, who I think is one of the most underrated corners in the league. I feel like he doesn't get the love and appreciation that he does. He is the top five corner in the league, in my opinion. So with this game, I could see Detroit winning, but I love Broncos to cover the spread.
1: With this game, I actually – I might be in the minority here because I know that you know this is like two teams that seem to be heading in opposite directions, but I think that this is a total get-right game for Detroit, and the reason is because the Broncos have a very suspect run defense, and I think that this is a game – you know, Lions are at home. I think that if they want to get back on track, they're just going to go with the two-headed monster of Montgomery and Gibbs. If you run it down Denver's throats early – I think that they can set the tone. I think that they can take charge of this game, dominate time of possession, and have a pretty easy time. I think that if you – you know, the Broncos have definitely leaned on their defense throughout this winning streak, and we haven't really seen Russell Wilson have to play catch-up throughout most of this season, you know, to have to really be the Russell Wilson of old. We've seen some consistency out of Portland Sutton, but this hasn't really been a Broncos team that's had a – great downfield threatening pass attack i think russell wilson's kind of slid into more of a game manager type of role and i think that if the lions are able to build that early lead and lean on the run um this could be a situation where they where they do get right where they um you know get that win that they sorely they, they so desperately need um yeah, I mean Denver is definitely flying high coming into this game, but I think they're due for a bit of a letdown. They lost to the Texans. I think that they're going to drop another one. Detroit, there's just too much talent there for them to uh, you know keep uh, you know keep sliding. I think you know I think that uh, you know obviously losing to the Bears was probably a low point for them this season, but there's still a lot of a lot of talent on this offense. This is one of the most talented offenses in the league, and and let's not discount what what you know Sam Laporta did. Um, just the week prior in New Orleans, you know, that, that was, um, you know, that 29 was twenty nine fantasy week,
0: points. Yeah.
1: That was a true breakout performance for a rookie tight end. I mean, he didn't solid to that point, but the fact that he's capable of that and we know what the wide receivers can do. And uh, Dan Campbell was actually quoted recently in an interview uh, saying that they want to get JMO more involved. Uh, he views him as being just as good as Amon Ross and Brown. I mean, that guy like, you know, we know all the hype that he that came in with him when he was drafted, uh, his college career. And he's got to have the opportunity to show that he's more than just an occasional deep threat. Yeah. That he can actually be a real number two wide receiver in this offense. So maybe they're going to throw him some more targets his way, look to get him more involved. That could be interesting.
0: Yeah, so like when I say I like – I like – I like I guess like, like said, I think Detroit wins this game. It's a get-right game, but it's not like a good – like. No, I'm not. I don't. I just don't see them blowing them out. I just can't see that. I can see this being like a twenty-eight to twenty-four kind of football game. I can see this being like you know where both teams kind of throw punches, but then when it comes down to who gets the last punch, I think it's Detroit. Like because like you know how the New Orleans game went. Like, just look at that one. Detroit was up twenty-one nothing before you could blink. It was like seven minutes left in the first quarter, and they had not right. only three touchdowns, and then they kind of got stagnant and then let the Saints come back and almost almost win the game. But like I said, I do like the number. I just don't like – I like Denver to keep it close. I just I can't see the Broncos getting blown out in this game. I could be wrong, but with Detroit as well, this could be the kind of game, too, where it's kind of like – the it like could be that close game where it's like, guys, we got to go because their last three games, they have two against the Vikings, which is the Vikings win Saturday. They're just creeping up behind Detroit. And then in two weeks uh, this Saturday, so on the 30th, Detroit's going to Dallas on a Saturday night, and that's going to be a very tough environment to play in as well because we all know what Dallas can do at home. So, with sure. state, like I said, I trust. I think Detroit's going to win. I just – I like Denver to keep it close.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a fair take. I mean, I lean toward Detroit covering just because I think that they can – I think there's a happy medium here where I think that, um, you know, Detroit covers the spread and the game is still competitive. I just think with it being only a four-point spread, that that's just very doable for Detroit. You know, yeah. I, I think that th- this is, again, like kind of similar to the uh, um, that Bengals game uh, where um, or sorry, the Colts, rather, uh, where it's like a, about around a seven to ten victory, I would say, like a seven to ten point victory.
0: I think it can, I think it can go either way. But with Sunday, we start with a game that's very close to my heart. And I have a very strong opinion on it. That one of two things is going to happen. One. New England somehow finds a way to either keep this game super, super close or win for some miraculous reason. Or the Chiefs win by at least 15 points. I don't think there's like a happy medium where it's like a 10-point victory. That being said, though, I don't know if New England's going to win. But 7.5 is still too many points, considering I have trust issues with the Chiefs covering the spread. I have trust issues. And obviously, look, you have two sides of the coin. You have a team. The Patriots are done. Their season's done. They're the only two teams eliminated from playoff contention. You have a Chiefs team where they've lost three of four. Ever since Travis Kelsey went to Buenos Aires to watch Taylor Swift perform, they've only beaten the Raiders. They lost to the Eagles. They lost to the Packers. And they lost to the Bills. And now you have a quarterback who is snapping at referees, who is barking at the opposing quarterback about bad calls yelling at the media, saying it's ruining Travis Kelsey's career. Like I said, I want this, like there's my fan hat of me is saying this game's going to be close. But the realistic part of me is screaming this is a get-right game for the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the kind of the uh, game where I, if they are who we think they are, they're going to go into New England and just punch them in the
1: mouth. I agree. I, I think that this is a total Chiefs blowout. I think that the Chiefs Haven't really had, um, you know, many chances this year to show how dominant they can be. The only time that they really did it was against the Bears where they just demolished them. And uh, I think that this is just that situation where the Patriots are – there's a big old, you know, target on their back and the Chiefs are coming in angry. And now all of a sudden – they were cruising along in the AFC West. Now they got to, uh, you know, they got to protect this because the Broncos are starting to creep up on them. And you don't want the Chiefs are now in a position where they're actually out of a first round buy. Which I mean, it ha- has to be kind of unbelievable to them. So I think that this is a game that they know, like, yeah, we're not messing around. Let's make an example out of these guys. I mean, the Patriots are. I think that they caught the, the Steelers at a very good time on a short week with that whole Trubisky thing. I mean, I think that that was like kind of their one. They're one game to to win and, and, you know, have something to be happy about. But this is like a big old reality check for them. It's been an ugly season for them. They've been a bottom five team in the league. And the Chiefs, yeah, I mean, these – after back-to-back losses, they need a get-right game. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not sure if if Pacheco's uh, injury status is going to impact things. Uh, But, honestly, if he's out, it's just going to give Mahomes more incentive to just, you know – try to shred that secondary and throw it a ton. And yeah, the, you know, obviously I, I think most people are expecting the Chiefs to win, so don't really need to give much justification as to why, but I would say this spread is toast. I think that they're going to win this game by three scores. Um, So the way that spread pool
0: works is we get it at the opening number, and I believe that was at plus nine and a half. So I'm going to stick to the nine and a half just because, but at the end of the day with this game, Like, if the Kansas City Chiefs, if they are who – it's a Dennis Green quote. You know, they are who we thought they were. Mm -hmm. If the Chiefs are who we think they are, they're going to go into England and win by a hefty margin. Like, this is a game where just you put your money on the Chiefs and just call it a day. But if the Chiefs, for some reason, lose this game or it is close, like, the Patriots not only cover. But cover, but, like, you know, win, lose by, like, three points that's where you start to panic with the Kansas City Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes has never played a road playoff game in his career. That's probably, out of all his stats he holds, that's the one that impresses me the most, that he's never, besides the Super Bowl, gone on the road for a playoff game. But with Kansas City on in all, look. They have an easy schedule down the stretch. They play the Raiders on Christmas. They have the Bengals on New Year's Eve. And they have the Chargers that they play in L.A. in what will probably be Brandon Staley's last game. They're still going to finish probably 12 and 5. I think 11 and 6 is their worst case scenario. But to think that this team is still slipping, I just don't believe it. It's like we've seen with the Patriots for years, you know, where, oh, like they had a couple bad losses. And then you snap your fingers and they've got a buyer. You snap your fingers. And once again, here's Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship game. So I'm not ready to count them out. I just think that what happened on Sunday was a mix of, like we were saying too, where it was like, no one feels bad for you because you guys look there's a lot that's gone your way and you've won a lot recently but at the same time too this is the kind of game where he can go in there and shut people up kind of like what McDermott and Buffalo did last week after the whole uh we're not going to go into it but the weird whole um comparing Al-Qaeda to working as a team thing because if the Bills had lost that game that would have been hovering over them like a huge rain cloud meanwhile they won
2: still I'm like oh my
1: gosh what are you what are you talking about guy
0: Oh, I'm still in the same boat, but you know what I mean. Like, if
2: they lost, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, that would have
1: been that would have been their thing. That would have been, yeah, like that would have that would have hung over them. Yeah, like you know, every team, like you know, whatever they, we're always looking for the uh, um, you your know, gas on the fire. Yeah, the gas on the fire. The uh, the you know the, the punchline. The you know the the quip to make. Like the, the Giants for the last for several years, it's the boat trip. Yes, and, and like every, with- every team's got every team's got their one thing, you know. Like this year with the Patriots, it
0: was the trip to Germany because there was it was weird. So there was a pour from Tom Curran, but Tom Curran didn't write the article. He just said it on TV. So I don't know what to believe. But at the end of the day, Belichick will get his roses. It's probably heading in for a, wrong, a, a an ending. But there's a small part of me thinking that, like, hey, he could be brought back. But at the end of the day, it's best for both parties. I think that if Belichick is no longer with the Patriots because they kind of got to hit a reset button and realize that, look, it ain't pretty sledding. Mm. Like this next team, which Monday night was not pretty sledding for the Miami Dolphins. They're also the New York Jets on Sunday. And you want a definition of a get-right game? It's this one right here. I know a lot of people are like, and especially you, Danny, are kind of like now, oh, they're going to win, and then Aaron Rodgers is going to come back to the last three. No, 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 no. If Miami is who we think they are, they should cakewalk them again like they did on Black Friday.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's probably going to... Somewhat hinge on Tyreek Hill's status. Uh, I mean, yeah, um, because obviously he he did come back into the game, but uh, it was mostly a decoy or, you know, coming out for plays here and there. And and that's really why they wound up losing is, you know, not having him in there. And, of course, I mean, the defense shouldn't be allowing 14 points in the final few minutes when it looks like he got the game locked up. But, you know, obviously missing Hill for large chunks of the game, he – Total. That's a guy who he should have absolutely lit up this secondary. So, having him back, obviously, he's he's what makes Miami's offense go. I think even without him, they would still win. Miami just has such a home field advantage. Yeah. Uh, they they just blow out they blow out bad teams at home all the time. And I think that the Jets, listen, they yeah. I mean, Zach Wilson was loose and he looked good against the Texans. But let's be real here. I mean this this Texans team. Coming in here against a good Jets defense, not having Tank Dell, and then Nico Collins goes down right away, and then C.J. Stroud gets contussed. I mean, it, it was just like one bad—it was one bad thing after another. You know, um, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. It's not going to be that type of situation with the Dolphins because even with the Tyreek Hill situation, they still have a 200 monster with Mostert and H. N. right now um, cooking. So that should—you know—Mostert didn't have a problem running against the Jets in new york and now you throw a chan into the mix and you still got jalen waddle to go to if hill is hurt or if he's out or limited so this is a total get right game for miami not and now they got like you know a real chance at securing a first round bye so oh wait no they don't i'm sorry there's only one bye now i keep forgetting that it's the 17 <laughs> playoff format It still just feels so weird to me like it's such an un it's an uneven number you know like baseball when they had five teams, it didn't feel yeah. right. Now they're at six, and six makes sense. I think six made sense for the NFL. Nice. Anyway, Miami does have a shot at the number one seed with the bye. Mm-hmm. So they'll be playing for that, of course, and the lock of the division because now the Bills are, you know, suddenly got a pulse. So, I mean, I think that, you know, it, it's hard not to think as an NFL fan that the Bills and the Dolphins are on that, like, crash course for – that, you know, end-of-the-season divisional championship game that possibly happened. But – football. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Feel, I, I feel like uh, weeks ago people were kind of earmarking that date on the calendar. And, yeah, Miami's going to do what they can to make sure that doesn't happen. And Miami should win this game by multiple scores pretty easily.
0: I like that. I said this last week when I was recording with Phil, and I said that Miami should – this should be an easy game. You take the 12, you don't even think about it. This week, is it's that thing. Because if you lose this game for the Dolphins, that panic's going to start to set in. You know, it's same old Dolphins. But I, while you're on your soliloquy there, I was looking it up. The Jets have not won a game in Miami since 2015. Mm, that's, that's another the thing. <laughs> They've not won a game there since 2015. And that's when the Dolphins were truly like the bottom, bottom barrel of the basement of the AFC. Um, with this Miami team, their schedule's not easy to finish the year. This is the game you have to have. Because you have the Cowboys coming to town next week. Then you go to Baltimore, which that game feels like it should be prime time. And then you host the Buffalo Bills, which I think that game is going to end up being for the division. Because Buffalo, they've got some easier game. After their, their game against Dallas on Sunday, they play the Chargers, they play the Patriots, and then they play the Dolphins. Those Chargers and Patriots games should be wins for the Bills. So Miami, you don't have a lot of room to screw up. So if you lose to Dallas, it's like, you know what it is, what it is. Or if you lose to Baltimore, lose to the Jets, a lot of that talk and a lot of that creep and doubt is going to start to set in. So with Miami, you got to go in there. You have to have this game. This is a perfect get-right spot for the Miami Dolphins on Sunday because if you look at it, if you lose two games badly in a week, especially the lower-tier teams like the Jets, and I know the Jets had a lot of hype going into the season, but look, the NFL is parity for a reason. The other point I want to make, too, about 17 games and 17 playoffs, I still think we're on a collision course for 18 regular season games and eight teams in the playoffs. And going back to the two buys, I think that eventually will happen. When, I don't know, but if I had told you at the beginning of the year the Chicago Bears were going to be making their way to the playoffs, potentially, they're 5-8 and eight right now, but also, too, that a Joe Flacco-led Cleveland Browns team would beat Trevor Lawrence, you would have called me insane. But you know what? We have uh, – if you love defense, this is your football game. The Chicago Bear defense, very underrated unit in my opinion. Ever since their mm-hmm. – do you remember when their coach, like their defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, mysteriously left and it was – People thought he was a pedophile, or he had like child pornography in his possession, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. HR got involved, and there were all those weird FBI right. rumors and stuff. Right, right, and, right. And, and now, ever since the they got off to that zero and four start, they've been five and or it was one and four. They've been, I think, four and five since, and that's with Tyson in a quarterback for a few games. So the fact that this Bears team is not like where the Patriots are right now—at least double-digit losses. It's truly impressive. Down do I think that the coaching staff has done enough to keep the jobs? No, absolutely not. you got to get someone new in there. But the talk of does Justin Fields stay in Chicago, I think that talk's starting to heat up more.
1: Yeah, I think that the – hey, I mean, it's worth noting. The Bears spent a lot of money in free agency to upgrade this defense. They came into this season with expectations, you know. I mean, maybe a lot of people weren't buying in necessarily – but this is a team that they, they did, you know, use a lot of capital to upgrade this – I apologize uh, – upgrade this roster a little bit. And, yeah, uh, yeah with what they've been doing, I mean, um, this is – you know, they're starting to reap the rewards a little. And, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, it's probably going to, you know, peter out at some point. But, uh, and, and in fact, uh, this game, as a matter of fact – but they're definitely giving some contenders a run for their money. And really, yeah, Justin Fields hasn't really looked bad at all. I mean, giving him DJ Moore has really opened up things in terms of their passing game, and I think it's changed people's opinion that Justin Fields, you know, like they thought this guy couldn't throw whatsoever. And maybe he's not the best, but it just goes to show, you know, like with any quarterback, almost any quarterback in the league, you put better receivers around them, and all of a sudden – the production starts to go up we're seeing this with lamar jackson too now he's got obj and zay flowers and he's more of a downfield passer he's running less and justin fields i think that if you continue to continue to build around I mean, we, we see like you know he's very comfortable throwing to dj very comfortable throwing to cole commit keep giving him more guys and you are be able to conserve those legs and Maybe he does have a future in Chicago. Um, I I never I I didn't really view him as a we need to get this guy out of here like he's the thing holding this team back. Um, I think that they just got to keep building around him um and uh, and keep fortifying to really build like a, a top flight offense. But uh, that that being said, coming into this game, I, I think the Browns' defense has been um pretty impressive throughout the year they've really been uh you know keeping this team afloat considering that they lost to sean watson they lost nick chubb so early in the season but they're still in the playoff race and it's because of that defense and and you know joe flacco i guess I, I think joe flacco was almost a, you know a little bit of a almost like a modern day jeff garcia in the sense of like you know his <laughs> career is not going to die no matter how many how bad people want it to die you know he's i think that he's uh you know, proving himself to be a decent journeyman backup at this stage of his career. I mean, this is a guy who he could he could have wound up retired years ago after yeah. the Ravens moved on to Lamar Jackson. And uh, you know, I think that he had he had some decent games with the Jets. Um, you know, now now a decent showing with the Browns. I mean, this is a he's a capable backup. I, I think that he gets a. I always think that that guy's gotten more criticism than he deserved. Going back to the when he was a starter in the league, they, he never really got his flowers. Um, but, yeah, this, this game is probably going to be on the ugly side. Probably is going to be relatively low scoring. But I think that the Browns are going to – the Browns will pull this one together. I think that, um, you know, Flacco's got a decent connection going with Cooper and Njoku from the previous week that he should be able to build on.
0: Um, so, yeah, I like Cleveland to win. I also think, too, I like Cleveland just for the sense of I think everyone's going to think,
1: hey, Chicago beat Detroit last week. Look
0: at how good they looked. But then it's one of those things where, like, you know – you kind of get the you know, it's that know. recency bias. Exactly. But then with Cleveland, I, I just like Cleveland. I'll say this about Justin Fields too. You got him a receiver with DJ e. Moore who's got three rockets up his butt. Effectively, you're like, you know you're going to throw the ball. Boom, see you later. Donald Mooney as well, very effective receiver. Colt Komet, a player who's proved me wrong because I went into the year with Komet thinking I don't, I didn't like the deal he got. Four years of 50 mil. So we'll see how he does. He's really impressed me. Um... With the field situation next in the offseason, could they go into Caleb Williams sure? But can you imagine if you have DJ Moore and Marvin Harrison Jr. to throw the ball uh, to? Yep. Mm-hmm. You're starting to cook with dynamite. Plus Cole Komet plus Darnell Mooney, Khalil Herbert get another running back in there. That's the one thing I would do. Partner Khalil Herbert with a good vet. Like you know how Khalil Herbert's a young guy, Jameer Gibbs, young guy. What do they do in Detroit? With Jameer Gibbs, you got him and David Montgomery. Now, I'm not saying David Montgomery's going back to Chicago but get a David Montgomery esque receiver. Like, I I don't know, like Austin Eckler's deal, I think is up at the end of this year. So maybe go and pay Austin Eckler some money, you know? So if you have the Mm -hmm. Bears, you have the chance to build something and really buy into Justin Fields, but I wouldn't just get rid of them just for the sake of, look, there's a shiny new toy and like you're starting over. Because if you do that, it's there. Will it happen? I don't know. But I think Fields has kind of done enough in these last few weeks to kind of show, hey, Maybe you don't want to get rid of me immediately, you know? But as for this game, I like Cleveland. I like the number at three, and I like the under for this game. That's how I view it. You know, it's going to be that cold, grimy December football. The number could go over, and I could be wrong. I, wouldn't, I won't bet the number, but I definitely will bet Cleveland on the minus three. Another game I was not sure about was Tennessee and Houston. Now, the the Houston Texans are going to be playing the yeah. Tennessee Oilers this week. Um, yes. I like Tennessee only because of the Stroud injury. If Stroud is not playing, I like Tennessee. If Stroud ends up playing, I will take the Texans. But then again, you can't be sure how it is. This is just one of those games where I don't really got much to say about it, but I can see a world where Tennessee kind of regresses back to the norm just because of last weekend, it was this historic win and you know, they came back and I don't see this as a team where it's like, they just keep fueling on. But at the same time too, for all we know, and also too, here's the other thing as well, with Tennessee though, I will say. I believe Derrick Henry, some of his best games have game against the Texans, so that's something to watch out for as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that I agree. If Stroud doesn't play, then you lean Tennessee. But that being said, Tennessee does have a pretty bad defense, and the Texans could be getting some reinforcements on offense. Dalton Schultz returned to practice, so if he's able to play, that's an upgrade there. Um, Nico Collins, he he can't miss this game to really give this team a chance if Stroud doesn't play. And, uh, yeah, it it's definitely going to be tough sledding, obviously, if they're without him and having to resort to Davis Mills. Tennessee hasn't looked that impressive all year. But Derrick Henry, like you mentioned, um, he's got a really good track record against the Texans, and he's uh, been somewhat gaining momentum as of late uh, with the multiple touchdowns against Miami and then a good showing the week prior so this it, it would be it, it's unfortunate this Stroud injury i think it was a really good story with him leading this uh, upstart texans team it looked like they were heading toward the playoffs and if they lose this game that's gonna really hurt their efforts to get there they have a kind of tough schedule uh, you know with the uh, three divisional games in the next four weeks and although the titans haven't been much uh, too impressive this year. Um, Obviously playing a rival two out of three games isn't the easiest thing in the world, particularly if you don't have a starting quarterback. So I'm, I'm with you. I I lean Tennessee if Stroud is out, but if Stroud plays, I definitely like the Texans for a bounce back game here. If if Stroud plays, I think that, you know, even if he's limited, um, you know, he should be able to do enough to win here. Really what the Texans need is they need to get Damian. I think they need to get Damian Pierce cooking again. Um, You know, he didn't really get a lot of carries against the Jets, and he hasn't looked like his 2022 self really all year. But we saw what he could do last year when he was really firing on all cylinders. So you get that guy cooking and as a surprise boost right ahead of the playoffs, it just makes the team that much more dangerous.
0: Exactly. That's exactly it. But with Derrick Henry, though, I did look it up. In career against Houston, 225 career 20, uh, 225 carries, 1,380 yards, and 12 touchdowns in 12 games against Houston. So that's just something to watch for. It's like, you know, those little storylines to watch for. Like, mm-hmm. one storyline to watch for. In the Big Easy this Sunday, Tommy DeVito is a six-point dog. I don't know if the Giants are going to win this game just because, look, eventually... All good things have to come to an end. I'm sorry to say it's just, it's the history of having a backup. There's no reliable backup. But I want to ask you this question as a Giants fan because this has been something that's been yeah. kind of burning inside of me. As you know, I'm not a fan of Daniel Jones. I don't think he earned the contract. He, he played well last year, but is he $40 million worth it? No. I always said 32 to 35, like the Jimmy G, Dick Jared Goff esque level of contract. So here's my question for you. Because, obviously, Jones is starting next year. You're not benching him. You're not paying him $40 million to ride the pine. It's week five. You guys are one and three with Jones. Jones looks the same as he did in 2023. The New York talk radio shows are getting heated. They want, you know, Cutlets back in the game. (laughs) Boy, they want that Marron. You want the guy with Tommy Cutlets with his Salem, Massachusetts agent who looks straight out of Goodfellas. (laughs) And my big question to you is then what do you do with daniel and even now if you're in a top 10 pick and you're in a position to draft a quarterback what do you do because if i'm the giants i think you got to try to shore up the offensive line because look we haven't seen anything from evan Neal yet even though the guards guard, guard play has been pretty good the last few weeks of the giants
1: as well justin pew
0: straight off the couch he's yeah. been really impressive and yeah. the defense too has shown flashes at times isaiah simmons It was a really good trade for Joe Shane. Kayvon Thibodeau has really started to progress as the season's gone on and on. Right, I mean, Um, he's playing like a top-five
1: overall pick, some would say.
0: Exactly. So my big question now is then with Daniel Jones' thing, though, what do you do? Do you keep Jones in there, or do you, like – because you know next year everyone's going to be going for DeVito because DeVito now is shown – is he a long-term starting quarterback? I wouldn't say so, but he's a backup that, you know – can have longevity in this league. He has kind of shown that, like, he can win. And he's he's – he's sure, has the teams he's beaten been the best and has the schedule been kind of light? yes. But I think the ultimate battle still is for you guys is Christmas Day against the Eagles when, look, there's a certain anytime touchdown that's pretty free. But um, as for this game, though, I will say this. I don't know if the Giants are going to win this game, but I just think six is too big of a number. I I just – I don't trust the Saints with a big – with a six spread, especially, too, when you have the Giants – who have won three games in a row against the commanders the patriots and the packers on monday night football so that's all i'll say about this game i don't know if the giants get the win but i definitely like them to cover the number
1: sure yeah uh, i definitely feel it does feel like you know the giants with three consecutive wins they might be due for a loss here i i think it's just insane the fact that they somewhat control their destiny in the sense that if they do keep winning they would probably find themselves in the mix for this for the for an NFC wild card spot, when you look at the other contenders and how everyone else has fallen by the wayside, I just can't help but look back at those the games that they blew against the Jets and the Bills that were so winnable, you know, especially that Jets game and then like the, you know the Bills with what happened at the goal line at halftime and halftime in the end of the game. You know, you take those wins, we're seven and six, now we got we're in a much better position. Um to go back to the what do you do with Daniel Jones question? I think that ownership seems to be treating him like, yeah, he's totally the starter. Still this season is a wash. It doesn't change anything. We're still committed to this guy. And for some reason, this ownership, they are just continuously enamored with him. And whenever he is injured and not, and not playing, they look and they look at stuff like this, like what the giants have been doing the last few weeks. And the reaction is, Oh man, imagine what Daniel could have done in that spot. Imagine how much better Daniel would have been in this game. And, I think that this year showed you know no actually uh we did see what daniel was like behind this same offensive line dealing remember daniel jones had darren waller daniel jones was playing with darren waller in the first couple months of the season waller's been out for the last month while we've been winning and i'm not i'm not saying that it's waller's fault what i'm saying is that jones had him to work with and couldn't get this offense going had jalen hyatt couldn't get the ball to Jalen Hyatt the entire season. And he has a hundred yard, his first hundred yard game as a pro comes with Tommy DeVito and the team's winning. They're gelling. They're confident. They're loose. They're having fun. Is Tommy DeVito the long-term answer quarterback? Probably not. But I mean, if it was me, I think you you go with what's working and I, depending on how this season finishes, if I w- I think it's time for the Giants to have a quarterback competition. I'm not saying that DeVito needs to be given the reins moving forward or anything like that and I'm not saying like you know like ride him going into 2024, but you draft a new kid or if it's Tommy himself, you have got to have a camp battle at this point because yeah. Daniel this this everlasting commitment to Daniel Jones is holding this franchise back. I think it's it's finally time to say it and just because you have a contract doesn't mean you have to shackle yourself To that contract for the next three years because what the giants have shown last year and this year is that brian dayball has this team competing most of the time you know earlier in this season they did look pretty hopeless they had a lot of ugly losses for sure but you couldn't really blame them entirely on the defense it was like something is broken about this offense something is really really gone sour to where they can't even function and you couldn't even evaluate the defense basically because they were given short fields and they were, or they were on the field for obscene amounts of time. And now you're seeing, you know, with a more balanced, um, output from the offense, they're playing really good football. I think that Deontay banks has been amazing in the secondary, Bobby Okereke, great pickup, like you, uh, Isaiah Simmons, like you mentioned, that was a great, um, essentially no-risk, high-reward trade that they're now reaping the benefits of. That's a fairly recent first-rounder. Timbadeau playing great. McKinney. You know, I I think that this is just a team that there's there's too much talent going to waste trying to figure out this quarterback situation. It's a lot like the Jets in a way, with a little bit – I think that we're a little bit more together than the Jets. But, yeah, pretty much that's where we're at as a franchise. And, uh, yeah, I think – Go
0: ahead. Don't be a Jets fan in this situation. <laughs> Danny's going to probably either laugh at the line or probably hate me for the yeah. line. but Because I know he listens to this. That's why I shout him out so much. Um, but I say that because look at what the Jets do. And then, like, for example, Zach Wilson. He's on the highest of highs. And then the second he starts losing, you you, uh, you, sure. you you figuratively want to take a shit on his chest and tell him to, you know, go 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 play with yourself. Um Hmm. But essentially with DeVito, I, I feel like that's something you shouldn't happen Because DeVito, it's just the story's good. Did I Was I annoyed by what the media was doing it during the Pats game? Yeah, a little bit. How they were trying to make out his day good. But with the Daniel Jones thing, there is still a section of Daniel jo- Jones believers who I think still look at that, you know, who look at the game against um, the, what Daniel Jones did last year in the playoff win and go, he can be like this. It's kind of like how I did it for years with Mac where it was like, hey, he can get back to his 2021 self. He, You know, last year was a bad year. He had this and this. But then next year, you kind of see it there. I still think you're attached to Daniel for next year. I do think there's an out after the 2024 season. So Daniel Jones has got to show up because eventually John Mara can't get in the way of the quarterback situation to where basically you just drafted Eli Manning 2.0. Now, did Eli Manning win two Super Bowls and is he on his way to Canton because of those? Absolutely. I'm not taking those away from him. I'm just trying to say with Daniel you got to look at the big picture because if you look at all the games he's played in, opening night for you guys, we know what happened. Dallas came in there and just laughed at you and they just punched you in the face repeatedly. He barely beat an Arizona Cardinal team that had him down 20 at half. San Francisco gave it to them. The Seattle loss was really bad. And then there was the game in Vegas where ultimately he tore his ACL. So with Danny Jones next year, look, you got to look at it long-term where it's like, is he worth the 40 million dollars that we gave him no did he have a good 2022 sure yeah i'm not taking that away from him but i will say this too on the dayball note i think dayball is a coach that very much well went from being another giant statistic of two years and done like we've seen with joe judge like you saw with Shermer, ben mcadoo didn't even make it to didn't even make it two full seasons i think joe um dayball has done enough to secure job security for a third year It's just the ultimate question is, who's going to be coordinating the teams? I still think the Wink stuff, I don't know what to think of it. And I think Kafka's safe as well. But ultimately, too, this is all going to revolve around Daniel Jones. Because at the end of the day, next year, if he is the reason why the team is bad, chances are he could cost some people their jobs. I'm not afraid to say that right now. I think if Daniel Jones, is if they go back to Jones next year and you guys win like four or five games or even six games... That's where I think heads roll, unfortunately. And that's just because of what. Yeah. But then it's not even their fault. It's, hey, you're doing what ownership wanted to do. It's kind of like what you see in Carolina, where it's like, David Tepper, we wanted Bryce Young. Frank Wright, I wanted CJ Stroud. David Tepper, Uh, you can shut up and I'm going to do what I want. But then ultimately, Frank Wright, you're bad. Oh, this. Oh, you're out of here. So that's the big worry with the Giants next year is just not saying for Daniel Jones to be great, be top 15.
1: Be well, in that I mean, well listen, I mean, this you is know,
0: like mid teens, yeah. be a teens level good quarterback. Yeah. Don't be in the twenties.
1: Yeah, I mean, make no mistake about it. I, I think that you know, with our our horrible start to the season, I think that that's allowed people to enjoy this Tommy DeVito run a little bit because now we're we're back to being the like a meme team, right? We're we're back to being the laughing stock of the league. And then all of a sudden this winning streak comes out of nowhere with this quarterback nobody's ever heard of. And it's kind of funny. But if you, again, if you go back to it, going into this season, the Giants were supposed to build on the fact that they were in the divisional round of last year's playoffs. This was yes. a team that was being taken seriously. We should not get Coach away from year. that. And yeah, it, yep, exactly. You know, year, just, you know, year over year, second year with Dayball and – with yeah with Jones in the mix I mean the narrative surrounding Jones going into this year was developing quarterback he was the victim of poor coaching we finally got him the right coach finally are starting to build some more pieces around him he's going to continue to take a step forward we're paying him like a superstar because we think that he's going to produce at that top 10 level and that absolutely didn't happen before he got hurt offense was a complete unmitigated disaster And to your point about heads rolling, I think it's a valid statement because really going, you know, through the first couple months of the season, it was at a point where people were questioning Dayball, questioning Kafka because of how horrible this Jones-led offense was. But now that he's out, now the narrative shifts – kind of shifts to – Oh, well, look how much day ball is getting out of this team that's starting Tommy DeVito. Now you're thinking like, oh, well, imagine if he had a real starting quarterback in there. Imagine if he had a real offensive line, you know, all those things. Now, you know, team gets healthier, comes back next year, expectations. And then same thing happens. We stink again. There is only one person to point the finger at, at that point, and it is Daniel Jones. Because we you in the NFL, you cannot wait this long for somebody to be good. I think that they've given Jones plenty of patience. And I think that's why I said, I think going into next year, I don't care about the contract. I care about the fact that this guy is often injured and often underperforming and had one good season out of five at this point, right? Yep. So it's one good year. Yeah. It's, it, it's time to create that competition because this franchise has too many good players their ownership is married to Saquon. They're going to want to try to bring him back. And the running back, the running back market is going to allow them to do so. So I think that when you have all these skilled players on the roster, you can't just let them go fester and go to crap because this team should be a playoff contender. They they truly are a quarterback away from just being a playoff contender.
0: So, fellow, I remember, fellow. So, I don't know if you know this from last year or not, but I had a whole thing on Twitter with uh, Alex Lorenzo where we were basically, I said to him, if Mac, I was confident in Mac going into year two, where I was like, if Mac has a better year than Dime, or if Dimes had a better year than Mac, I would do a Dimes Love Fest podcast. And I did that. And we were going mm-hmm. over what we thought the win totals were. And I agreed with them when I thought the Giants, you know, nine and eight, eight and nine team, maybe they're right there in the playoff mix. Do the Giants win out? I don't think so, just because, look, we'll see what happens with Philly. The Saints game very winnable. The Rams game is very winnable. But I'm looking at Jones' stats right here. Like, 15 for 28 and 104 in that loss to Dallas. But then, like, the only two good throwing games he had were the game against the Seahawks where he had 203 and then the Cardinal game where he had uh, 321. But besides that, he threw two interceptions against the Hawks, an interception against the Niners, an interception against the Cardinals, two against Dallas. He's only had, he only had two passing touchdowns on the air. Uh, the one fun note of things he was sacked seven times, three times, two times, ten times, six times, and then two times against Vegas. And he had a rushing touchdown against the Cardinals. Meanwhile, if we want to go to you know all the Marones and Tommy DeVito, I just want to look. Up, I want to look up more or less the overall game lock numbers. So DeVito had 246 against the Commanders, 191, 158. Here's the thing though. Tommy DeVito was not sacked a single time against a very good Green Bay defensive front. Sure, he was sacked six times against the Patriots, and the Patriots have a great defensive front. The Commanders still got to him nine times. But the thing that I look mostly at him is, Tommy DeVito has not turned the ball over. He has gone three straight games without throwing a pick. Daniel Jones's kryptonite has been throwing interceptions ever since he got into the league. So we'll see what happens, but ultimately, the Daniel Jones, truth- the Daniel Jones truthers out there kind of have to see... Look, Danny's not the guy long-term. Like, I don't think when the Giants have their next Super Bowl parade, whenever that comes, is it going to be Jones at the forefront of it? I don't think so. For all we know, Jones can prove us wrong again, but I just – I don't see a world where it happens. Is he a good quarterback? I think so, but he's
1: not an elite quarterback. That's what I want to say. I I think it's a fair take. I I think it's a fair take. I I do think that I've seen some – you know, he has a unique skill set, and I think that – What you saw in those vikings games uh you know he definitely looked like a very you know polished uh i would say like josh allen style quarterback and you thought oh wow this oh this is the real daniel jones but it's like well that's not the real daniel jones that's daniel jones against the vikings and i think that what we've seen you know there's just enough of a sample size for us to if we really think about it daniel jones is he the long-term solution well well when's long term because it's been five years already. Yeah. Again, again you you really – you look at how long these teams – most other teams in the league um, put into developing quarterbacks. Usually by the third year, things are starting to make sense. We're not the, – the question marks that he still has at this stage have usually been answered by now. So I my patience has kind of run out at this point. I just want this team to be good again. I feel like we have got – sound leadership i think we have a good defense i think that our offensive line you know it's funny with them too uh <laughs> it's amazing how much better they are just by not having evan Neal on the field that, that is a true addition by subtraction move because they, they don't have a quality right tackle on that roster but they do have people that are not named evan Neal, and that automatically makes them function better we've gone from stampede to we can run plays progress
0: Exactly, exactly. So we'll ultimately see what happens, but I feel like the Giants are going to be a big team with a lot of question marks to be answered this offseason, no matter how the rest of the season goes. Sure, um,
1: and, and going back to the Saints game, I, I uh, um, Derek Carr's status, how, how's he looking? I, I, it, I, I assume he's always going to play,
0: I don't know, he always seems to play hero ball, but I'll say this with the Saints. Right. They have to do one of two things. You either go all in on your current team And decide, hey, we're going to go for it instead of just playing this cap pushback number. Or you burn it to the ground. Because in the NFL, the NFL is the one sport where you can go scorched earth and then you can turn it around in a few years. Like, look at Detroit. Look at Houston. You've seen some teams go scorched earth, have two to three bad seasons. And then all of a sudden, it's, holy crap, these teams are good again. So that's my thing with the Saints, where I look at them like that. Because it's just like, look, you have this regime. It's been here forever. But they're kind of in that Patriot territory where it's kind of like adjusting to life without Drew Brees. But that's what I've been saying with the Saints, where I'm like, look, you either have to let a lot of your guys go, even though they're fan favorites, or you just go all in and then eventually burn it to the ground. I think it's just prolonging the rebuild because the Saints are in that spot of mediocrity. Meanwhile, though, they are are six and seven right now. In the NFC South, we have another six and seven team playing a one and eleven, a one and twelve team. I'm gonna keep this short and sweet because I really could give two craps about this game. Give me the Atlanta Falcons at minus three and a half. This is a perfect bounce 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 back spot for them, considering how they lost last Sunday. But Desmond Ritter is he good? No. Is he better than Bryce Young though?
1: Hell yes. Yeah. No. It's a it's a get right spot for the Falcons. I still I still just don't like that team. I, I just I I really can't stand Arthur Smith in the way that he the way just. The way he calls plays, the way he has this team functioning, I just feel like they'd be so much better if they had a competent head coach and a competent quarterback, you know, to really get the most out of their guys. But, I mean, you know, Drake London has had the occasional huge game this year. Um, B. John Robinson, it seems like he's starting to get more touches, but I I just don't understand this obsession with Tyler Algier, you know. I totally – listen, I get – you know, keeping the legs fresh and – Work at you know, running back committees are the thing. But when you have some, when you have one guy that's so disproportionately better than the other guy, I mean, the numbers show you they are averages twice as many yards. per... All right, I've said enough. Uh, <laughs> that, that being said, you, you should see plenty of both guys here because I'd imagine that the Falcons are going to have plenty of uh, plenty of time and plenty of field to burn. They should be able to handle the Panthers pretty. Easily here, this is a Falcons team that's got a good chance at the division. They're firmly in the playoff hunt. The Panthers are the worst team in the league. They can't move the ball. So, this has been a nightmare season for them. And, yeah, Falcons should win. It's
0: hold your breath. Um, I don't think this is a high-scoring game either. This is like a 24-10 to 10 kind of football game. You know, it's nothing flashy, nothing special. Atlanta just kind of keeps their position in the a- a- NFC South. um i I do think though regardless unless they win a playoff game i think arthur smith is gone i think they could even because say if they make say if they win the south like big rat has come on here and said you're playing philadelphia or dallas in the first round and i'm sorry but that's not going to be a pretty game that's going to be that's going to be a tough pill to swallow that's going to be you know when i don't know if you have any brothers or not i don't have a brother i have a sister. But it's like, you know, when Big Brother just repeatedly kicks you in the ass, you can't do anything about it. This is not mm-hmm. a case of Little Brother beating up on Big Brother. This is going to be whoever wins that division. You're going to get cooked in the wild card round. So that's what I have to say about this game. Uh, green Bay versus Tampa, I'm going to say this right here. I think this is a bounce back for Green, bounce back for the Packers. I think this – I know they had the bad loss to you guys on Monday night. and You guys are still relative yeah. to that as Giants fans. But with this game right here, look, is Green Bay been a, a – both teams have been good stories. But ultimately, I got to trust Jordan Love to bounce
1: back more than Baker Mayfield to stay consistent. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. I mean, if you, if really, if you go back and you look at this Buccaneers team and who they've beaten, they have not beaten. They don't the the sure one wins. team with a winning record that they beat was the Vikings, and that was week one. So since then, every single one of their wins has come against a team with a losing record. And before their back-to-back wins against the, you know, their division rivals, this team had lost one, two, three, four, five, six, six of seven games. So is this Bucks team good enough to win three in a row? Including this would be a back-to-back road win. This would be Green Bay in December for a team that plays in South Florida and, yeah, I, I don't love the Packers. In fact, me and Big Rat have been going back and forth all season and mean telling them how overrated um, I think that the Packers are. But I do think that they're going to win this game. I think that the Buccaneers' offense this year has been – you know, this has been kind of a surprising team in the sense that they haven't been completely terrible. But it's been so interesting to me how, you know, one-dimensional they, they really became. You know, I think mm-hmm. that Mike Evans has had a really great season for the most part. But um, the fact that they can't get him and Godwin going at the same time, I think speaks volumes about Baker Mayfield's limitations. Um, you know, Rashad White um, has uh, made his contributions as well. But I just think that with the cold weather, uh, Green Bay needing a bounce-back win after, you know, they're definitely in the wild-card race um, as well. Like this is It's a critical game for both teams um and uh i just think that with you know green bay uh their their physicality um if they're you know if they're missing jair alexander for another game that's probably gonna hurt things in the secondary but i think that they should be able to handle the bucks here
0: yeah so like this is my thinking with it both teams have their pros and cons who do i trust more i trust the packers more because the packers have signature wins like you said Ever since the box went 3-1, and one, they really have only beaten – they beat the Titans, the Panthers, and then last week they beat the Falcons. Yeah. So besides that, like Detroit, you lost. Buffalo, you lost. San Francisco, you lost to. Houston, you lost to. But even last week too, it took a miraculous drive by Baker Mayfield against the Atlanta team who is so up and down to where it's – They just, there's no consistency there with the Bucs. So I trust the Packers more in this situation. also when it comes to coaching too, I trust Matt LaFleur more than I trust Todd Bowles. The other point I want to make about Mike Evans. Mike Evans quietly has been one of the best receivers in the NFL over the last 10 years. I'm sorry, but having every season him go for over a thousand yards and considering besides having three seasons with Tom, he's had pretty fairly mediocre quarterback play. With james winston i believe ryan Fitzpatrick, and baker mayfield right it's pretty impressive and i'm going to say this right now and i hate that i'm going to say this if you are the kansas city chiefs you should try to do everything in your power to get mike evans on your football team next year he's a free agent at the end of this year and what's the one position you really need is a wide receiver one if you get mike evans with travis kelsey and patrick mahomes i hate that i'm saying this but that is cooking with
1: dynamite yeah no, I think that that would be. I mean, and that'd be the missing piece for the Chiefs, right? I mean, the true uh, WR one. I mean, Evans is absolutely, um, uh, like I say, he's had a phenomenal career. Um, and uh, this, you know, surprise, incredible year he's had with uh, with Baker Mayfield. I mean, not a lot of people saw it coming. It's just it's a testament to his skill set. Because you take him off this Bucks team, I, d- I do think that the Bucks are probably like right around that bottom bottom of the barrel range uh, where people expect them to be. Um, so. Yeah, you know, credit to them—they've definitely had a surprising season, hanging in there, staying competitive. But hey, we're getting into the weeds now. We're getting into December. You know, this is where we start—you know—separating the men from the boys and the contenders from the pretenders. So it's it's time for it's time for the Bucks to, to kind of uh, slip down the ladder a little bit. They play Green Bay, Jacksonville, and New Orleans in their next three. Those yeah. are
2: three games I right can, there. to are, are are- do it.
0: Their set 6 and 7 could easily be uh, not so nice 6 and 9. I'm just going to say that right now. Or wait, no, 6 and 7. It's 6 and 10. Excuse me. This could become a mm. 6 and 10 quickly because I know New Orleans doesn't look that good this year, but divisional football, you never know. Like this next game to start the 4 o'clock window. And I only have one question for you because this game is just stinks. Does San Francisco cover the 12 and a half point spread against the Arizona Cardinals?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're going to they're gonna demolish this team. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not going to be close. Um, I, I think that – I mean, the Niners are flying high right now. Um, They're – yeah, they're the best team in the league. You've got everybody firing on all cylinders. CMC, Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, take your pick. They – I mean, they all went off. They all went off against Seattle. And uh, th- this is going to be a game where they, they're probably going to get out in front like Three scores early, you're gonna to get to see some, uh, some Jordan Mason in the second half. You know, if you're looking for, this is the type of game where you want to place that halftime, um, Jordan Mason uh, prop touchdown bet. Because I, I think that this is just a total, just total demolition from the Niners. It's an easy win. Um, they, yeah, they're they got all the momentum. There's there's no reason that they shouldn't have their way with this. Arizona team,
0: Baby, be careful, Arizona. There won't be any spit involved in this one. Um, <laughs> Rams and Commanders. Same question to you. I think the Rams kind of have a bounce back spot here, but at the same time, too, Commanders could upset, coming off the bye week. You know, six and a half points. I feel like for an LA team that stayed tough, I I would trust Washington to cover the number. I don't know about win the game though.
1: I think that, yeah, I mean, Washington coming, you know, coming off the bye, they could be fresh. Um, I just think that with the Rams, they finally got Cooper Cup going against a good Ravens defense. And, you know, that, that's kind of, you know, I don't really believe in much of the way of moral victories, but the fact that they, in a rainstorm, played as well as they did and the off, that got the offense going the way that they did. Against The Ravens kind of proved me wrong. I I had that game. I read it completely wrong. I thought that the Rams were phonies and I thought that the Ravens were going to stomp all over them. And I thought it was going to kind of go a lot like the Detroit game or the Seattle game where they just, you know, demolished them from the opening whistle. I was wrong. You know, I think that Matt Stafford uh, has this team kind of going again. It's now with Cup and Puka. It's kind of a throwback to Cup and Woods a little bit, some would say. Um, I think that – and and Kyron Williams too. I mean, Kyron – like what a find he has been, right? I mean, I'm going – I am first in a fantasy league because of that waiver wire pickup. You know, he's having an unbelievable season apart from missing time due to injury. Now that he's back – Uh, You got that, you know, that three-headed monster on that offense. And, I mean, Washington's not afraid to throw it, but their defense is so bad that I think that the Rams are going to, once again, uh, you know, be able to just put up a ton of points. And they should pull away here. I I think that Washington can hang around just because Sam Howell, um, you know, uh, he's uh, obviously the the Commanders have been in a lot of shootout-style games this year, usually chasing from behind. And they might hang around here, but I think Rams win. Sounds good. Um,
0: Dallas taking a trip up to Buffalo. Ooh, this, is told... an
1: this is an interesting one.
0: So here's the thing. Buffalo had a perfect get-right game last Sunday. Dallas had that one win against a good opponent that everyone has been waiting for because it was the same narrative all year like the box where it's like, Dallas, you can't beat the big team. What do they do? They beat Philadelphia convincingly. I like Dallas at plus two and a half. I think this is a team where, because this is a game that if Dallas wins, you know, the narrative just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing for them. But if Buffalo wins, it's going to be that Dallas, oh, but you can't win in the elements. You can only win at home. This is Mm. that perfect shut up the naysayer game for Dallas. But with Buffalo, this is that perfect game because look, this is your last test in your gauntlet that you've had because the Bills have had a lot of tough opponents. with they had the Eagles. They had the Chiefs. They've had the Dallas Cowboys now. So it's not been easy sledding for the Buffalo Bills as of late on top of everything else. But the way that Josh Allen has been playing, I would love to see. Actually, give me a second. Because we do everything live here on the show, I want to look up what the weather is going to be Sunday for this game because I'm genuinely curious. Because you know, weather's gonna play a huge factor. Sunday it's gonna be cloudy. Uh, and in I have to do this in Fahrenheit for my guests, cloudy at 49, so not a terrible day. It'll be cold, but not too cold. I like this game to be very similar to what we saw play against Philly last week. I don't think this will be like, you know how the game against Kansas City 20 to 17. I this could very well be like a 28 to like 27 game. This could be a 31 to 28 style football game. It can go either way, but just something in my gut is telling me that the Dallas Cowboys are going to win Sunday. It's just that perfect chance for them to keep on climbing the ranks. But at the same time, too, if the Buffalo Bills were to win, it wouldn't be shocking to anyone. Why? Because Buffalo's playing with nothing to lose at the moment.
1: I would say – I'm leaning toward Buffalo in this game. I think that Buffalo, you know, they got right against Kansas City. They kind of saved the season. And the pressure is still on them. You know, that was not like a, okay, we won, and everything's taken care of. It's kind of like, okay, we still have a chance. Everything's not completely falling apart at six and seven, but at seven and six, a competitive AFC wild card picture and a chance of the division. If you keep winning, you know, the goal, you got to get to that game with Miami, get, get to that game, get to that do or die. And I think that, that there's still a lot more pressure on Buffalo at seven and six than there is on Dallas at 10 and three. And this is that, like you mentioned, this is that classic Dallas letdown spot da- Dallas, Dallas has the same formula every year. And I'll give him credit. This is one of the better Cowboys teams that I've seen in recent years. I think that this offense is very explosive. I think that Dak is playing some of his best football of his career. And, yeah, I mean, they look they look great. The, the, the defense is creating a lot of turnovers. The fact that they took Philly completely out of their element and they absolutely schooled them pretty much um, – end-to-end in that Sunday night football game it was impressive but different situation this is a cold weather environment for Buffalo and also Buffalo they think about this they beat the Chiefs this is the Buffalo Bills you know all they do is throw this is not a team that runs it very well all they do is throw it and they got next to nothing out of all their wide receivers and they still beat the Kansas City Chiefs um, in Arrowhead like you know that's pretty impressive right so I think coming, you know, coming back home against the Cowboys, this is definitely going to be a game where they're going to want to get Diggs going, going to want to get Gabe Davis going. It should be a fun little shootout here. But I think you know, December in um, you know, pretty – I wouldn't say must win, but close to must win. Buffalo's pretty much got the pressure on them most weeks going forward for the rest of the year. I think that they need it more, and I think they're going to be playing with more purpose. I leave Buffalo by a field goal.
0: So like I said, I I don't know why I like just so, it's just something inside me saying Dallas. Like I think Dallas is going to win. I don't know, but this is the kind of game where I agree with you. This could be a potential letdown spot for the Dallas Cowboys, and then everyone will go you know Monday. Oh, same old Cowboys. Like kind of like everyone's doing at that Miami, where it's like oh here come the December Dolphins coming back to form. So we'll see what ultimately happens with this game. But I'm going to stick with my Dallas pick. It could be wrong, sure, but it's just like one of those. I got to go with my guy. You know that that's all this is. And then Sunday night – I'm going to keep Sunday night short this week because I don't have a lot to say about this game, but I know it was a shootout, but I didn't like what I saw. Like, I just feel like, look, you had to have a shootout against Joe Flacco. Lamar Jackson's going to do more to you. Like, remember when Jacksonville was, like, sky high looking good and then the San Francisco 49ers came to town all pissed off? What happened? 34-3. I'm not saying this game is going to be a blowout, but – I think that this is a convincing 7-10 to 10 point Baltimore Ravens win Sunday night.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that the the Jaguars now, you know, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, uh, you know, with the it's great that he came back and that he's not missing time. But, um, you know, they had the scare with him. Uh, losing Christian Kirk definitely hampers this offense a little bit. And uh, the Ravens are just – they're playing smash-mouth defensive football. Um, this is like kind of – this is a classic case where – you know, the ravens take a, kind of an upstart playoff contender that doesn't really play very good defense and uh you know they kind of you know if, uh, they're just going to kind of shatter their confidence early i think uh, you know they're gonna come out aggressive um and this ravens offense i mean it's really come alive it's really starting to come alive um at the right time because early in the year they they really weren't getting obj going there was some inconsistency there now that he's cooking zay flowers has been a consistent target all year isaiah likely has completely stepped in and been great with this mark andrews injury you know this is a guy who the ravens drafted him uh, knowing that they were getting some quality depth at tight end um this is a team that they've always kind of valued a bit of a tight end committee and he had they're not missing a beat without andrews because this guy is great and now you've got keaton mitchell getting more action in the running games. Now you got a nice little tandem with him and Gus Edwards. Lamar is still a threat to run, even though he doesn't run as much as he used to. So I think that, uh, you know, and this is a, a Jaguars defense that, again, recently got lit up by Jake Browning. So I think that the the Ravens are getting hot at the right time. They are looking like the best team in the AFC right now. You know, I'll, they I'll are. And, yeah, they are. They are the top team in the AFC, and they, uh, they've they earned that moniker. Um, they are, they're just playing great football. They're winning in multiple ways. I think
0: you keep cut, trying to stop it, and you keep going. So it's all good. I apologize for that. If I cut you off. Um, this is the perfect spot where the Ravens win. And then, you know, everyone's going to go, they have a chance to go into San Francisco on Christmas Eve and win. And then that's the game where they have a letdown spot and they get completely obliterated by the Niners on Christmas Eve, on Christmas Day. Like, you know, that game where everyone's like, mm-hmm. they're going to let them close. They're going to look up and then San Francisco kind of shows everyone, Hey, we're this good for a flipping reason. So, I think this is that spot where Jackson, where Buffalo gets that win, but then next week's that game that, like, knocks them down a couple pegs. No, Baltimore gets a win where it knocks them down a couple pegs, and then they go, hey, San Francisco San Francisco for a reason, guys. I think and
1: then that, we, uh, I mean, not to cut you off, but uh, I think that, that San Francisco game might be a Super Bowl preview.
0: It's gonna be it's gonna be great. So I I know NBA is usually Christmas Day, but honestly, NFL's been putting out a really good product of Christmas Day the last few years. Them finding out that like, hey, we can play games on Christmas and people will watch, is an awesome revelation. It's only a matter of time where like next year, Christmas Day is on a Wednesday, so you got to figure they're gonna probably try to play games on Christmas Day next year. Mm-hmm. Like it could, it, there's a very good chance of it happening. I don't know if it will or not, just because of the whole weirdness factor of it. But if anything, the NFL, I think, could try to find a way to make it happen. That's all I'm going to say. Just because, look, I feel like if 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 we learn anything from 2020, it's that the NFL can play seven days a week. That's the one thing I think we learned when we were seeing games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays happen. Um, You just have to schedule them accordingly. Um, And then Monday night we finish in Seattle, where I'm going to say this right now, part of me wants to think Eagles lose three in a row. No chance. No, no, no. Eagles, this is a get-right game. This is, you know, you're saying Detroit's a convincing get-right game. This is a convincing get-right game. The Seattle Seahawks have come back to form. We've kind of seen that, hey, maybe Geno Smith's not the guy. They can get out of the contract after this year. And I'll also say this, too. For all the bad stuff that's happened with the New York Jets the last few years, trading Jamal Adams for two first-round picks may be the best thing the New York Jets have, have done in the last five years.
1: Oh yeah, no, yeah, they're total total winners for that trade. Um, yeah, the, the, the Seahawks here. I mean, I think that um, this is a team where you know they, with that surprise playoff appearance last year, um, kind of changed the narrative on Geno Smith. But I think that it's it's a lot. It's very similar to Daniel Jones, actually, to a T. They're basically you know it's kind of the same story where you got this guy who had this like you know really bad career and then suddenly has one good year, gets a, paid like a superstar, and <clears throat> completely craps out. And I think, that you know, the Seahawks have just they've had too many games this year where they've looked completely non-competitive. Yeah. Um, despite the fact that they do have talent on this roster. You know, obviously, th- this is a team where offensively people would love to have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and JSN and, and Walker. But it just hasn't manifested a- against good teams. Right. I mean, this is they've got absolutely embarrassed two times now by the Niners. I mean, well, they, they hung around a little bit this past week. But, you know, still lost by multiple scores. And, uh, I mean, and then that first, you know, on Thanksgiving, they got completely embarrassed. And I think that Philly could have their way with them for sure. Philly needs a bounce back game after getting blown out back-to-back weeks against the Niners and the Cowboys. So now now the Eagles are threatened. The NFC East is definitely in jeopardy for them, right? Yep. So this is a, yeah, total get-right spot for them. I, I think that they need to have A.J. Brown needs to just have a 150 yard, you know, two touchdown game, and, and the Eagles got to get something to feel good about, as much as I don't want them to feel good about anything. So
0: I'm looking at the Seahawks schedule. So they beat their win so far this year with the Lions week two, then they beat the Panthers, and then they beat the Giants. But ever since their bye week, they had an early week five bye. They lost to Cincinnati. They sure they beat Arizona, they beat Cleveland, um, but then they got stomped by the Ravens. They beat the Commanders, but then lost to the Rams who swept them this year. Mm -hmm. Embarrassed by the Niners on Thanksgiving. The game against Dallas was kind of a weird anomaly where it was like, holy crap, they're sticking around. They're looking pretty good. But then, you know, they couldn't get it done. And then lose to San Francisco again last week. And then they finish off with the Eagles, the Titans, the Steelers, and the Cardinals. This is a Seattle team that I think is going to probably finish nine and eight or eight and nine, and then just miss the playoffs. To where maybe Geno Smith has a couple good games where they go, "Hey, maybe Geno's the guy next year." But ultimately, with your, if you're Seattle, you can get out of the contract. I saw that there, the language in the contract is so it's only a, you can make it a one year deal. But if you're Seattle, you have to do one of three things: either keep Geno, keep Geno, and draft someone or completely just start over from scratch with someone else. I don't think you can bring in another, like, mid-level quarterback. I think you have to go big game hunting. Or, you know what, if you have a kid that's sitting there, like maybe like a Jaden Daniels from an LSU that you can kind of kind of bring in because the, the weapons Seattle has on offense are looking pretty good. You have Jackson with the Jigba starting to be a really good receiver. Tyler Lockett, I feel like, kind of goes under the radar a lot. DK Metcalf is DK Metcalf. He's a freaking monster out there. And then at running back, they're building a pretty good two-headed monster with Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet. So we'll see what happens. But with Seattle, you got to shore up the quarterback position. You shore up quarterback, the rest will come to where, you know, if he can bail you out of a couple games, basically like what we saw Geno Smith do last year. Because remember the Denver Bronco game where everyone thought the Broncos were going to go in there and take care of business? And then he had the famous, they never, what was it? They never, uh, I wrote them back, but no one answered, or I never, or, like, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Week one last yep. year. Like, you need a quarterback who's going to win you those games. Like how this year, I'm sorry, but getting swept, being one and four in divisional games, that is unexcusable, inexcusable if you're trying to make the playoffs. Not trying to win the right. division, but you got to win your divisional football games. Because like if you look at Cincinnati, Cincinnati's 0-4 in the division, I believe. Yeah, they're 0-4. They lost to Pittsburgh. They got swept by the Ravens. And the Browns embarrassed on an opening day. So you have to win these divisional games early and often. So Seattle next year is gonna have there's a lot that they gotta there's a lot they gotta deal with this offseason. It's gonna be a very interesting offseason for the Hawks as well.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh it's they're in an interesting spot. I mean, I think that you know having Geno Smith under contract, it, it, it keeps this franchise in kind of like a in-between spot. I mean, obviously, they hmm? yeah, it,
2: they're,
1: it they're is purgatory. purgatory. They can't really make any huge moves. I mean, they do have, a, obviously, a promising offense uh, with, you know, some really good young weapons there. Obviously, you know, JSN has a very bright future. Kenny Walker is a great running back. Um, you know, they, this is a team that they can they can compete here and there, um, but there, there is a ceiling, I think, for sure. And you can see that here. I, I, I agree. I think that the, their story this year is barely missing the playoffs. Um and uh, and yeah, I mean, there's some decisions to make. Like, you know, what are what are we really doing here? We are we trying to go? If we're trying to go all in on this thing, like, can we really do that with Geno Smith? And you know, we certainly paid him like we think we can. We're not in a position to really get anybody else. Um, I mean, I, I'd say like you know, the, the defense could use some shoring up. You know, maybe mm-hmm. not getting completely ripped to pieces uh, whenever you face a, a top level offense. That so would probably be a good place to start. That's it. That you because like.
0: They are another team like the Seahawks are like the Giants, but the Seahawks have won a few games that they shouldn't have won. You know, like right now you guys could be sitting at that six and seven spot right now, but then you know what? Hey, there's a couple games that you should have won that you lost. But right. with the you got like even in the sense you two are similar teams to where next year I want to see there's got to be a quarterback competition in the Pacific Northwest. I don't think you can just ride this on a wave with. Just Geno Smith, and then Drew Locke is your backup. You need uh, someone in there to either drive Geno, or you know what, even take a chance on a guy day two or day three in the draft, where you know you can get something out of him. You can find a diamond in the rough. Look at what they did with Russell Wilson. He was a third, I think he was fifty sixth overall. I think is where he was selected. So the back half of round two, you found gold with him. He won you yep. a Super Bowl. So try to do something very similar. Like, I don't think, look, you can go big game hunting if you want, but like you, like I meant, if you're going to go free agency, you got to go big game hunting. Like try to get Kirk Cousins, for example. But the more we're seeing Minnesota play, I think it's in the best interest of the Vikings to keep Cousins around for the next few years. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, week 15, we've got some good games and we've given you guys some very good predictions here on episode number 268 of YWC Football Talk. Can you guys believe that? Um, next week's going to be a very tricky recording schedule. I'm not too sure what's happening yet. Probably on Thursday because between the holidays, some certain host's birthday, and other stuff going on, i got to find the time to record. But anyway, guys, for my main man, Jared Silverclay, the trust fund benefactor as you all know him, I'm Griff. Happy holidays. And you know what, guys? Go enjoy Week 15 of the NFL, even tomorrow night. Because before you know it, football will be gone